Join Dr. David Jeremiah live online this Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern, streaming from Raleigh, North Carolina, for a one-night event with musical guest, the Gaither Vocal Band. Be part of this free live stream Thursday at davidjeremiah.org. Welcome to Turning Point. When the disciples asked Jesus about the end of the world, he instead told them about the world of the end. Today, Dr. David Jeremiah shares from his new book and teaching series which feature that title, The World of the End, and examines what Jesus said about these times. To interview Dr. Jeremiah about his new book, here's special guest, Sheila Walsh. Won't you help me welcome Dr. David Jeremiah. I am so excited to be with you again. And one of the things that we all know is that one of the trademarks of your ministry is that you make God's word so understandable. You know, even complicated passages, you teach them and we understand. And you are an authority on biblical prophecy, but you don't just teach biblical prophecy, you teach the entire word of God. But for this series, you've gone back to biblical prophecy. So I wanted to ask, why now and why this? Well, you know, we have been studying prophecy. Uh, The book, Where Do We Go From Here, came out last year, and there was so much interest in that. During the time that I was finishing up that book, I was reminded of the fact that uh, there's this portion of Scripture in Matthew 24 that often gets neglected. In fact, many Bible teachers say it's the most neglected prophetic uh, portion of God's Word, and it's so strange because uh, these are the words of Jesus. And I began to read those words and became overwhelmingly blessed by the way Jesus used uh, some of his last words before he went to the cross to prepare his disciples and us for what's coming in the future. Mm -hmm. And uh, of all the people that you want to listen to about what's going to happen in the future, you can choose a lot of experts, but you can't choose anybody better than Jesus. And one of the reasons for that, Sheila, is that he's... um, timeless. He's, he's God in the flesh, and he's now God in heaven with, with the Father, but he lives in the present. So our future is still his present, and when he talks about the future, he's already there, and he knows what's going to happen because he's already experienced it, and you can have this confidence in what he says because you know it's the absolute truth. So instead of running around trying to figure out what did he say, what did she say, what's in this book, what's in that book, Maybe it's a good idea for us to just take a few moments and listen to the master. Amen. (laughs) Is there a difference between the end of the world and the world of the end? Yes. You know, if I told you I was going to talk about the end of the world, you probably wouldn't come. um, (laughs) Because I don't know when the end of the world is. And the Bible tells us we don't even have the right to speculate that. But I do know that we are in the world of the end. We are not at the end of the world, but we're in the world of the end. In one of the passages, Jesus says, but the end is not yet. And in another passage, he calls what we're going to talk about the beginning of sorrows. Mm -hmm. So while the end of the world is not tomorrow, at least I don't think so, we are in the world of the end. We're in the season. We may not know the day. We may not know the hour, but we can know the season. And we're in the season of prophecy. Anybody who studies the Word of God seriously would have to admit that. Now, I know people say they don't believe it, but how many of you know 
because you don't believe it doesn't make it untrue. <laughs> so true. And uh, these are not my words, not Sheila's words. We didn't find this in some book of wisdom. This is Jesus on the Olivet Discourse. The subtitle of the book is How Jesus' Prophecy Shapes Our Priorities. And the first uh, message is titled The Prophecy. And I have to tell you, this message gave me chill bumps because you take us right to the moment when Jesus delivered these words. Mm. It's the last week of his life. We've had um, Palm Sunday, Monday he's turned over the tables in the temple. Now it's Tuesday evening and he's speaking to his closest friends. Why is this prophecy so important? Well, Jesus uh, gave this prophecy uh, on the Mount of Olives. Unlike what many people think, he didn't give it to all of his disciples, just four, Peter, James, John, and Andrew. And he talked to these four disciples about what was to come somewhat immediately and then ultimately. Yeah, amazing. As you studied this passage in Matthew 24, was there anything in particular that stood out to you? You know, Sheila, early on in this study, as I began to think about it, I found myself remembering how easy it is for us during times like this to ask the Lord to change our circumstances. Have you done that? I mean, during COVID, inflation, all the things that we talk about, Lord, can you just please change this? And sometimes I think we should hear the Lord saying back to us, you want me to change the circumstances so your life will be better? But I'm going to use the circumstances to make you better. And as I begin to think that way in this passage of Scripture, I begin to see all of these various things that God uses when we're going through tough times And they don't get better. In fact, let's face it, we don't have the ability to change our circumstances, not even a little bit. And maybe we're asking the wrong question. Maybe the question is not, what can I do to change the circumstances? But how can I let these circumstances change me so that I become a better person? That's fantastic. Moving on to the second message, which is in a world of deception, be honest. After the first message, it felt like there's a whole shift Mm -hmm. in the teaching. And it's how to live in these days. How are you challenging us to live? Well, in every message in this book, there's a prophecy, mm. and then there's kind of like an imperative. Mm. For instance, in the message that you mentioned, uh, I think you would say it this way, in a world of deception, what can you do? Just be honest. I mean, that seems so simple. Mm. And yet, dishonesty is rampant among Christian people, and it's rampant in churches. If you're trying to deal with the deceit, and and Jesus said, see that you be not deceived. Mm. Uh, When these things are going to happen, there are going to be people that stand up and say, I am the Christ. And we tell some stories in this book about people who actually did that, both in New Testament times and and in our lifetime, who claimed that they knew when Jesus was coming back and all of this. When you walk into the prophetic world, you walk into a world where if you're not careful, you can be deceived. You need to keep your head on straight and listen carefully and study carefully because Satan wants to use that environment to confuse you and and deceive you. And Jesus says, beware, don't be deceived. I can't think of a time in my lifetime when there's been so much confusion and deception. And I think many of us wonder, like, who on earth can you trust? How do we as God's children, as Christ's disciples, live in a time like this. I mean, some days we just want to hide till it's all over. Yes, that is true. It's, it's surprising to me that the Bible has a lot of information to help us. First of all, we know the great deceiver is Satan. And the Bible says he's the father of lies. There is no truth in him. There never has been. The Bible says he goes around like a roaring lion mm-hmm. seeking whom he may devour. 
I remember one day when it became apparent to me that he doesn't want to devour you personally. He wants to devour your influence. He wants to ruin you and your influence for Jesus Christ. Don't let him do it. Well, how do I keep him from doing it? His whole arsenal of ideas is in the third chapter of Genesis. Study it so you don't get caught up in it. And we kind of laid that out at the end of that chapter. The next message is titled, In a World of War, Be Calm. I mean, I cannot think of a more perfect message for the times that we are living in. When you hear on the news wars, rumors of wars, what comes to your mind? Well, I haven't lived through any major world wars. I was born in 1941, and the Second World War was coming to an end. I remember a little bit about it. But war is a part of the Bible. Jesus himself is called the the Lord of armies. He is the Lord of war. War is used in the New Testament as an illustration of how to live the Christian life. There's a whole section on the armament of the believer So war is not something we can avoid. And when Jesus says that in the end times, you should be aware of the fact that just as a woman is going through pregnancy, her pain will be uh, more frequent and more intense as she gets close to the time of birth. The, The issues of war will become more intense and more frequent as we come close to the time of the Lord's return. So what Jesus is saying is, this isn't going to happen all of a sudden. You're not going to wake up one day and it's different totally than it was the day before. But little by little, as we move toward the end of the time, these events are going to take on greater frequency and greater intensity. And that is what we're watching right now. When Jesus says, when you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed, how do we do that? You know what, Sheila, that's got to be one of the most counterintuitive sections <laughs> in the New Testament. I mean, you would think he would say, you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars, so go button down the hatches and get some food, you know? <laughs> yeah. But he doesn't say that. He says, you're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that ye be not troubled. Come on, Jesus. <laughs> but you know, he meant that because, first of all, War doesn't take him by surprise. And he has everything in control. Mm -hmm. And he is the one who can bring peace to our hearts, even when there's turmoil all around us. I love where Jesus says, in the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Amen. It's interesting that when Jesus says there will be wars and rumors of wars, that statement, wars and rumors of wars, When it was first used in the Greek language, it was an idiom for world war. So Jesus is probably saying, in the future, you're going to hear of world war. And here we are. I've heard that more than I've ever heard it before in the last 10, 15 years. That's what Jesus is saying. As you move toward these times, you're going to start to notice these things. You're going to hear of wars and rumors of wars. But don't be troubled. We are going to see some wars. Mm -hmm whether we like it or not. Yeah. The next message is, in a world of disasters, be confident. What do you think Jesus was talking about there when he talked about a world of disasters? He actually tells us there are going to be diseases, Mm -hmm. there's going to be famine, and there are going to be earthquakes. Mm -hmm. And what he's saying is, as we move toward the time when Jesus is to return, you're going to see more and more of that. Uh, We just came through a pandemic. It's the first uh, universal pandemic any of us have ever known. We have not known anything like that before. But what we learned there was that disease can infect a world. 
not just a nation, it infected the whole world. Every nation in the world had this COVID-19 stuff. Jesus said, as you get closer to the time when I'm going to return, you're going to see more pestilence. That's disease. I just saw a chart showing the frequency of earthquakes in our world and the intensity of them and the frequency of them. All Jesus is saying is, here's some things to watch for. These are not so much signs as they are indications that we are living in the world of the end. It's not the end of the world, but we're living in the world of the end. We're in the season of our Lord's return, and that's a very important principle for us to understand. Wow. Message five is, in a world of persecution, be prepared. Mm-hmm. And honestly, interestingly enough, I find that one of the most encouraging messages that you have written. A lot of us tend to think, well, yeah, in the first century, believers were persecuted. We know what Nero did, all those people. That's really not such a problem anymore. What would you say to that? Sheila, when I was growing up, when I got 16, I guess my parents must have thought I was capable of uh, handling it. They gave me a copy of Fox's Book of Martyrs, and they wanted me to read it, and it scared the living daylights out of me because it's the story of the suffering that Christians had gone through during that period of time for their faith. I think probably growing up and even until middle adulthood, I just assumed that that was stuff that happened in the past. But did you know that more persecution has happened in the last 70 years than have happened in all of history? And that today persecution touches every country. It is overwhelmingly serious in many countries of the world where the gospel is being uh, pushed back. And it's starting to reach its ugly, icy fingers into the American culture. It's going to cost us more and more to be Christians. Our faith is going to be more challenged than it's ever been before. And Jesus said that. He said, you will be persecuted. You will be uh, marginalized. You will be hated. And then we read in the Bible, Jesus said, if they hated me, don't be surprised if they hate you because you're my follower. And most of us have never experienced that. But given what I understand is going on in the world today, some of us will experience that uh, before we go to heaven. This is why I found that message so compelling because, you know, I travel all around the world and the ministry of Turning Point goes all around the world, whether I've been in South Africa, Europe, Australia, There are people who even now are being persecuted, Mm -hmm. and they will sit and they will listen to you. What would you say to them? I I would just say that the message that is so clearly uh, spread throughout this whole uh, collection of of, uh, teachings is that God is enough and that God is with you. Uh, He has promised never to leave you, never to forsake you. And I think there must be some kind of special connection with the Lord when you go through persecution. Something happens to a person when they stand up for their faith and they're ridiculed or persecuted by others. And all the Bible says is, get ready for it. Don't be surprised when it happens. It's not something that happens to you because you've done something bad. It's something that happens to you because you're a faithful follower of Jesus Christ. In the next message, you talk about in a world of betrayal, be faithful. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's anything more personally hard to cope with than when you're betrayed, particularly by someone you love or someone you know mm-hmm. or a fellow believer. Um, betrayal is interesting because it can't happen unless it's someone you know and someone you love and someone you've trusted. Yeah. You can't be betrayed by somebody you don't know. 
So betrayal means you've allowed somebody into your life, somebody into your world. You've trusted them with who you are, and they have violated that trust. And nothing ever hurts like that. It's what happens when someone's unfaithful to their spouse. It's what happens in school when somebody you thought was your friend betrays you on the Internet. It happens over and over again in our culture. And Jesus said, as we get closer to the time when he returns, betrayal is going to be more prominent than it's ever been. People don't necessarily treasure their relationships as they once did. If it's not convenient for them, or if it's better for them, they'll throw you under the bus in a minute. One of the ways you avoid betrayal is by how carefully you pick your friends. It's, yeah. Here's kind of a little key that I discovered. When you have a friend as a Christian, you need to ask yourself, is this friend helping me become more of a Christian and walk with the Lord, or is this friend pulling me away from my faith? Yeah. I know a lot of saying, well, I'm going to be their friend and I'll win them to Christ. And I wonder, how's that going? It doesn't work that way. If you're not careful, your ungodly friends won't allow you to be the person you want to be. So find friends that will walk with you in this journey. Find friends that will encourage you. Because if that friend is not a Christian, ultimately, you're going to be compromised. In your seventh message, it's titled, In a World of Lawlessness, Be Kind. Have you ever seen such a lawless time in our country? We do live in a world where law has been put aside and people do whatever they want to do. And uh, where there's no law, there's no love. And in that world in which we are now living, that should say something to us about, are we at the world of the end? Mm Have you, like you said, I've never seen this before. What does that mean? It's greater than it used to be. Yeah. It's more intense than it used to be. It's more frequent than it used to be. That tells us something. Jesus is saying, when those things begin to happen, lift up your head. Your redemption draws nigh. Amen. Right. Amen. You talk about, um, in that kind of lawless world, be kind. You know, it's what we teach our children, just be kind. Why do you think we're struggling as adults to be kind? Well, the the human nature is, if somebody is unkind to you, you be unkind to them. But for a Christian, the Bible flips the script. Yeah. The Bible says, if you have been treated in an unkind way, what does it say? Bless those who mistreat you. Bless Mm -hmm. those who persecute you. You say, well, that's not natural. It absolutely is not. It's supernatural. And that's what makes it such a Christian thing. You can do what other people can't do. And I've seen it over and over again where people who have been hurt take the hurt and turn it back on the person in a gift of kindness or blessing or prayer. And God uses that to do miraculous things. Your next message is, in a world of bad news, be the good news. I love the emphasis on not just sharing the good news, but being the good right. news. Well, you know, the end of the prophecy that Jesus gave said that in the end of the world, the gospel will be preached to the end of the ages. The whole world will hear the gospel. And the Bible says in that dark hour in tribulation, the world is going to experience its greatest revival. Wow. There's no evidence in the Bible that there's going to be a great revival before Jesus returns. But the Bible is very clear about the fact that during the tribulation period, There will be thousands and thousands of people who will come to Christ because the gospel will be heard around the world. 
For those who might not understand that, that's after the church has been raptured to be with Christ. That's correct. Yeah, we, wow. yeah, I won't be preaching. I'll be, I'll be up there. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be long gone. Yeah. Um, with all the bad news and everything we hear about every day, how do you maintain this spirit of hope and encouragement and inspiration that you always are to us? Well, I read the last chapter. <laughs> we win. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That'll do it. When you read the last chapter, you don't have to worry about what's going on now because you know where it's all going. Yeah. And God is in control. And uh, the last part of that book, there's a whole section about living in a determined way, mm-hmm. not being discouraged. Uh, Jesus told everybody that if you don't give up, if you don't give in, y- you will be saved. And he doesn't mean saved in salvation, but you will come to the end and you will endure. Yeah. And, you know, how many of you know endurance is a big deal right now? You, you can't just do what you feel like doing. That's the thing I've been learning more and more. It used to be, you know, it was nice and sunny. And there weren't a lot of problems. You feel like getting up. And go. Today, you've got to tell your body, get in gear and go do what you're supposed to do. I know you don't feel like it, but do it anyway. You've got to talk to yourself. Yeah. Because it's hard. This world is harder to live in than it's ever been since we've been here. And so what that means is we've got to be tougher than we've ever been. We have to have more endurance. We have to more determination. I'm not going to let these things overwhelm me. I'm going to do the next thing that God wants me to do with all my heart. And when you do that, you find a kind of joy and excitement about living your life that's hard to explain. Mm-hmm. That's why I think that whole principle that we aren't to always pray the circumstances will be better so our life will be easier, but we should pray that God would use the circumstances to make us better so that we can be more effective uh, for Him, so that we can do our work with greater intensity and determination. I believe God is going to do some incredible things during these days as we come out of this pandemic. And I wrote this book to try to help us be prepared so that we don't get taken by surprise. The Bible says, don't be surprised when these things happen to you. God has told us. And uh, the thing I love about Jesus is he wants us to know the truth. He wants us to know the future. He goes out of his way on the Tuesday before he dies to give us the longest speech he ever gave about what's going to happen in the future. He says, please, hear me. And uh, we've studied that in the Olivet Discourse is his message of love to us. And honestly, I found it so encouraging. And I know we all will. We can't wait to dive in deeper. But I just wondered, before we close, would you pray for us, Dr. Jeremiah? Father, we know that we are living in the world of the end. We know that. We know that the things that are happening have never happened before, especially in conjunction with each other. We see, Lord, so many things that we've never seen before. We're experiencing these things. And we are so thankful that we are not alone and that we're not left without a word. You've given us your incredible word to help us know what to do. Help us not to be thrown off course by the things we've never experienced before, but to look to you for guidance and direction. Make us men and women of the word of God. May we study your book as never before, because there we will find the hope and instruction, and uh, we will know what to do next. And we pray that you would bless this message with your singular blessing as you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you help me thank Dr. David Jeremiah? 
Well, you know, it's always such a wonderful opportunity for me to talk with Sheila about these uh, series that we do. She's got to be one of the great interviewers in the country, and we're honored to have her as a part of what we do here at Turning Point. And uh, tomorrow we begin the actual teaching of this series from Matthew chapter 24. Tomorrow the subject is the prophecy. This is what Jesus said, and we'll give you the context of how he said it. Jesus spoke these words on the Tuesday before his crucifixion, some of his last words and some of his most important words about the future. And uh, as you know, this series is from a brand new book called The World of the End. You can get this book for a gift of any size to Turning Point during the month of October. All you have to do is ask for it when you send your gift. It'll be on its way. And tomorrow we begin this prophecy. Jesus said, it's not the end yet, but we're in the world. We're in the season. And the prophecy he gave his four disciples on the Mount of Olivet unfolds before us during the month of October, beginning tomorrow, right here on this good station. For more information on Dr. Jeremiah's series, The World of the End, please visit our website. There you'll also find two free ways to help you stay connected, our monthly magazine, Turning Points, and our daily email devotional. Sign up today at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. That's davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. Or call us at 800-946-4300. When you do, be sure to ask for your copy of David's powerful new book, The World of the End, How Jesus' Prophecy Shapes Our Priorities. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also purchase the Jeremiah Study Bible in the English Standard, New International, and New King James Versions with notes and articles from Dr. Jeremiah's decades of study. Get the details when you visit our website, davidjeremiah.ca slash radio. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we begin the series, The World of the End, here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. For more than 40 years, Dr. David Jeremiah has faithfully preached God's Word. And as the world changes, how the message is delivered expands. Turning Point Plus was created as the next step in our digital broadcast ministry. And it's available instantly when you sign up to support Turning Point with an automatic monthly gift of any amount. Learn more and access more than 12,000 audio and video messages at turningpointplus.org. The Bible contains chilling prophecies about the end times, but right alongside is the news that Jesus has overcome the world. In his new book, Dr. David Jeremiah instructs us how to put Jesus' prophetic teaching into practice. And when you support Turning Point this month, Dr. Jeremiah will send you your very own copy. Gifts of $75 or more will receive the World of the End study set, and you'll receive the premium set for gifts over $100. Learn more at davidjeremiah.ca. The American automaker Henry Ford hired a brilliant electrical engineer to design the power supply for his first auto factory. When the generators quit one day, Ford called the engineer. 
After a couple of hours, he had the system running again and sent Ford a bill for $10,000. When questioned by Ford about the exorbitant amount, the engineer replied that his charge for tinkering with the generators was $10, but for knowing where to tinker, the charge was $9,990, and Ford paid the bill. It's hard to put a price on wisdom. Fortunately, the Bible tells us where to begin in our search for wisdom, and that's with God Himself. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover God's wisdom on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.